Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. Sometimes come across books or verses in the Bible that on one level I kind of wish weren't there. Martin Luther, the great reformer, is famed for many things, um, kicking off the Reformation being a key one. Uh, But one thing he's also remembered for is for saying that he wished that the book of James wasn't in the Bible, even questioned whether it should be in the canon of Scripture. Uh, His reasons for that are interesting but flawed. Um, I wonder how many of us may also wish that certain verses or books weren't in the Bible at all. Our reasons for this are usually centred around a topic that challenges our perception of God uh, or indeed a topic that challenges our perception of ourselves or something in the Bible that goes against a worldview that we cling tightly onto, that we've held onto for a long time. Sometimes it's just the fact that the, the subject convicts us deeply and we just don't like that very much. Sometimes it can be the fact that the language that's used feels too strong for a subject that we consider to just be a tiny one. We find things like this, it gives us an idea of what God's view is on the issue and we need to remember to let his view overrule our view. Today we encounter a passage, um, one of those passages, uh, many, myself included, might kind of wish weren't in the Bible. And why is that, you might ask? Well, because in so many ways, we'd like to accrue wealth and luxury and just isolate ourselves off from the rest of the world around us, just live our own little life in our own little kingdom, just focus on ourselves, our comfort and our desires, rather than do anything to help those in need around us. We're in our James Tested Faith series, which we've put together specifically for the COVID-19 season. And so today we're in James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6, which I'm going to read now. And I'm reading from the ESV. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the labourers who mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self and in, in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This is one of those verse, those passages that can seem quite scary, quite heavy. And James is, preach, is speaking here with quite a prophetic burden. He sounds like an Old Testament prophet. Um, this whole sense of judgment and uh, you know, God hearing the cries of his people, uh, the downtrodden and stuff like that. So it's quite an interesting passage to find in the New Testament. Now, James is talking to the rich, the wealthy, um, and it could be that he's writing to those who aren't in the church, who aren't in the church in Jerusalem. Um, he might be writing this uh, this letter to the church, who are there, and he's, there, he's referring to people outside of the church, or it could be that he's referring to people inside of the church. Theologians are kind of um, not 100% on this. It's not clear from the text. But what is interesting from my perspective is that if you're going to write a letter to the church you would tend to write it to the people in the church. So I kind of come down on the side of, he probably wrote this to the church. So this is something that does apply to us as believers today. We are, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, then this text probably applies to you, um, particularly if you're in the local church. 
James starts off talking about how um, they, they should be mourning and weeping and crying because of what they've been doing. Um, you know, their riches have rotted, he's saying. Um, he, talk, he talks about gold and silver corroding. And what's interesting about gold and silver is that they don't corrode. They might tarnish a little bit, but they don't corrode. They don't break down over time. Um, and James kind of points to the fact that one day all things will be destroyed. Um, you know, even that which we know doesn't break down, one day will break down. Um, he talks about how the corrosion on these precious metals are, are which are evidence of um, of again evidence held against these wealthy people, these rich people. Um, and that word. Uh, corrosion can also be translated as poison. James is making an interesting point here. Um, you know, we know that the metals aren't going to break down, but it, he's also saying that it could be like poison. So that the, these metals in themselves are like poison to those who own them. And I think he's making the point that like our wealth can make us spiritually sick. Sometimes it it, it can be something that we get so caught up in, so single track towards making wealth growing our wealth, getting more, having more, doing better for ourselves, um, accumulating more and more stuff. And when our focus is on gathering the stuff, building the wealth, building the miniature kingdom of our own, it makes us sick because it takes our eyes off of the creator, the creator of the wealth, you know, of the gold and the silver or whatever it is that is catching, catching our eye. It, that takes our eyes off of God and onto the created things. And, you know, it's, it's a sense of idolatry. And when we get caught in that, um, we um, it, it's damaging to us. It starts to make us unwell on a spiritual level. It's important for us to think about those who are suffering because of our choice not to do something. Last week, Neil spoke about sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission being um, the, the, the sin where you choose to do something that goes against God's way. A sin of omission is a sin of um, not doing something, you know, act, not acting when you could have acted. Um, uh, you know, when you've got people who are suffering around you know, Luther actually wrote, I think I referenced this recently, you know, if your neighbour is, is, if your neighbour's house is burning down and you do nothing about it, nothing to warn him or help him, then you're guilty of a sin of omission. You could have done something and you did nothing. Um, and for us in our day, when there's people around us who are struggling, who are suffering, who haven't got enough money to buy food and um, stuff like that, if we do nothing, it's a sin of omission on our part. Um, you know, sometimes the action of doing nothing is sinful and we have to be careful of that. You know, we have to consider this in light of our wealth, of things we have got. Are we prioritising what we have and what we want to have over the needy and hurting in our midst? Um, and we have to um, just have to be careful of what we're doing uh, with our money and considering everyone around us. You know, God hears the prayers of the defrauded. James tells us this. You know, these people were, they, their, their earnings, their wages weren't given to them. They were kept back by these wealthy people, these rich people. Um, and, you know, God hears the prayers. He hears, um, he sees what's happened to them and he knows about it. You know, he says, James says here that the Lord of hosts hears um, what has happened. You know, 
when it says the Lord of hosts, it's like the God of angel armies. OK, this is like a mighty warrior king. Here's the cry of of, of this um, fraud that's been happened, that's gone against these workers. Um, he hears it and he doesn't let it lie. He doesn't just give up on it. Um, you know, he hears it. You know, there's he's a warrior king who will redeem and rescue his people. There's hope for us. God knows our affliction. If you're feeling downbeaten at the moment, if you've had money taken away from you that is rightfully yours, um, or if people around you aren't helping you, um, there's hope for you. God knows your affliction. Um, if you're without what you need, God knows and he will protect you. James goes on to talk again against these, these wealthy people. You know, you have fattened your hearts. Um, so often we find in the writings of Paul, uh, not not so much James perhaps, but in writings of Paul, he often talks about how as believers we're supposed to be um, striving um, to be to win the race, to run the race well. He uses all this athletic language, and James here talks about fattening the heart, and it's like you know we're as believers we're supposed to be running the race, we're supposed to be getting fitter and fitter for the kingdom work that God has called us to. Um, and instead, the wealthy people that James is writing about here are just sat and squandered and devoured and um, just built up their, their riches, forget about everyone else, and they've just sat and stagnated. And then when we sit and we stagnate, when we don't do any exercise, when we don't keep moving, when we eat badly, we build up fat in our bodies and fat around our hearts is an incredibly dangerous thing. When we get excess fat around our hearts, it's really dangerous. Um, and this is what James is saying they've done. They've just not, they've given up moving. They're set on one thing and it's building the wealth, build the wealth, build the wealth, build the wealth, get more, get more, get more. All right. Forget everyone else. It's about me and getting what I need, what I, what I think I need, what I want. And they have just grown fat and lazy. Um, forgetting all the work that God's called them to. James goes on and talks about how the righteous person has been killed. You know, James might be talking about a specific person. We don't know the ins and outs there, but I don't think any Christian can read this thing about the righteous person having been killed in a passage about how the money has had an impact without thinking of Jesus. You know, Jesus was given away because of Judas's love of money. You know, G Judas handed Jesus over for a bag of silver. You know, this passage in James is a warning to all of us that, you know, money can be so dangerous and completely take our eyes off God, our eyes off what's important. It can cause us to just go into a stoop, just get, you know, just sit and be lazy. Um, when we're supposed to be good stewards of our money, we're supposed to look after it and care for it um, and let it serve us and serve God. We're not called to be masters, uh, mastered by money. In um, Matthew chapter six, you know, Jesus himself says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, Jesus is own words warning us about the dangers of serving money and that's what happens when our eyes get transfixed onto the stuff onto the wealth onto building wealth at the expense of helping others around us um, we we end up serving the money 
Um, and it's it's a relationship that's just back to front. Money is our servant. Money is there to serve us, and we're to use money, we're to steward money to serve God. That's our call in life with it, when it comes to money. Just a, a few more thoughts. Wealth in and of itself isn't evil. Okay, having money isn't evil. Making it your god is evil. If you think back to the Exodus, uh, the bottom of Mount Sinai, they took all the gold and they made it into a, a calf, you know, into a, um, into a golden calf to worship. Okay, when you make your possessions, your money, your wealth, your God, there's a problem. Wealth in and of itself isn't a problem, um, provided it's maintained in its right place. How do we make money our God? How do we make wealth our God? Well, when we hoard it, when we just gather it all up and, and, and just enjoy having all the money, um, we can make it our God when we deny help to the helpless for the sake of having our money. We can have it, we can make it a God when we seek worldly treasures over heavenly treasures. So rather than investing in the kingdom and in God's reign to come and remember that one day we will have uh, be given treasures in heaven, as Jesus talks about in the same bits of Matthew, um, uh, when we let that sort of, when we let our earthly desires overthrow our heavenly ones. Um, we can let, he- let money become our God when we let people in our fellowship, those in the church, go hungry, when we're surrounded by wealth. Um, that, would, that is not the right way to be living. Um, you know, when we live lives of luxury whilst the temple of God rots, you know, if we think of Haggai, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 4, um, you know, he's talking about the, the literal temple that is falling down while they're all living in panelled houses. But what about in our day? You know, we know that um, in, in Corinthians, we know that the, um, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. When we are all together, when we are his people, and uh, we are the church in in uh, in uh, terms of people, not buildings. Um, when the body suffers, when God's temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit suffers, and um, there's and we can do something about it, and we do nothing. It's like the temple is falling into ruin while we're just enjoying our wealth, and that's not right. That's not what God wants for His people. Um, he wants us to be looking out for each other, looking out for those who are less well off in our gathering um, and taking care of them, enabling them to eat. You know, no one should be starving in our midst. And the thing is, through all this, if you haven't clocked it already, what we do with our money and with our wealth matters. Let's not store it up um, to decay our hearts. Let's not let our wealth become a poison to us. Let's put it to work. Okay. We need to be good stewards of what God gives us. We need to be prudent. So we need to be prudent with our saving, not, um, but not be owned by it. Okay, Our saving is there to serve us uh, and to serve the kingdom. It's not there for, to own us and stop us from doing things that we should be doing. Our money should serve God and us, not the other way round. It shouldn't be um, God serving your financial targets. It shouldn't be... Um, you serving your finances and um, your finances should serve you uh, your savings should serve you we need to be prudent secondly with blessing other people um, if we have money and our our neighbor is starving we bring a death sentence on them if we don't help them okay it's like the whole thing with the house next door that's on fire um, if you don't do something you're almost putting the death sentence on the inhabitants 
Okay, we need to do something. Um, so let's help those in our midst who need help. Let's bless other people in our community. And thirdly, we need to be prudent to ensure our money is being used to serve God and his kingdom purposes. When we spend our money on kingdom things, we invest it in the kingdom. And it's invested and it gives us a return when we see the fullness of God's kingdom, when there's a new heaven, a new earth, you know, and, and we are told to invest treasures in heaven. Um, and we can do that now. When we bless other people, um, that stores up treasures for us in heaven. You know, God, Jesus gives us our way into heaven. We can't do that. It's all by his grace, uh, all by God's grace. Um, but we do get good things when we arrive in heaven. Now, let's be a people. Okay, let's be a gathered people who can't gather right now, but let's be a gathered people who live in light, live in the light of the heavenly kingdom that is coming. Living with kingdom values, generosity, kindness, love, patience. Let's be a people who help the needy in our midst, in the church and in the community. Let's be a people who seek to honour God with our money and not get caught up in hedonism, seeking luxury and personal pleasure whilst those around us suffer and struggle. Let's be kingdom people with our finances in this age. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the way you've blessed so many of us um, financially, that you've blessed most of us who are going to be watching this video to live in the UK. And even if, if we own a car, we're in like the top, probably top 30% at the very least um, of the world, um, world's population who own a car. Um, Lord God, we are wealthy in so many ways and I pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to keep our wealth in check, that you'd help us to keep our eyes set on you and may our wealth and things like that be our servant, Lord, that we can use to serve you and further your kingdom. I pray, Lord God, that you'd speak to each of us. Would you convict us, Lord, if there are things in our lives that aren't in line with you, with your ways, and Lord God, would you set us free from those things. Help us, Lord, to give freely, uh, to be generous and to love you first and foremost. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.